Good morning and welcome back to the continuation of Series 2 for our Facilities Management Coffee Talks. We've had a series of requests from our listeners to invite a couple of industry experts on the podcast to address today's market challenges and industry trends. Our guest today is Mike Parks, and he is here to discuss enterprise refrigerant management, compliance reporting, and the best way to track refrigerant. Thanks for joining the call, Mike. Hey, thanks so much for having me, Trey. I really, I really appreciate you guys letting me be on the show. Now, Mike, you're a Senior Vice President of Product Strategy at Accruent today, but I think our listeners are going to be really intrigued with your background and history in grocery. Can you share a little bit about your background? Yeah, I sure can. Thanks so much, Trey. Um, so I actually joined the grocery industry in the mid-1980s. I'm going to age myself a little bit. Um, I started for an organization in Southern California called Alpha Beta, which was purchased by the Ukaipa Group, um, then Ralph's Grocery Company, and then um, Fred Meyer, and finally the Kroger Organization. And throughout roughly 23 years in that industry, I've been you know, a box person, an apprentice meat cutter, a night crew manager, a store manager, an assistant district manager. I've run um, training, been involved in um, operations and accounting, and um, certainly run facilities, maintenance, and energy throughout my career. It's been an amazing career and really prepped me for my foray into the software side of the business. So I'm loving it here, Mike. I'm I'm grinning on my end because our listeners are really looking for that expertise in grocery and somebody that has experienced the same climb and some of the same challenges they have. So today's subject is really diving into uh, enterprise refrigerant management and some of the compliance guidelines. Uh, with the Trump administration in place, EPA guidelines have rolled back a little bit, and there seem to be a lot of changes. Can you share a little of your feedback on where you see this affecting our listeners' business? Yeah, so um, keeping politics out of it, um, the, the one thing I would say is that legislation on this subject typically takes a long time to get passed. When I look at the regulations that are taking effect in January 1st of 2019, those were initially proposed in 2015 and then finalized in September of 2016. So any changes that may be made by the new EPA administrator um, that has been appointed by President Trump, um, I don't see those taking effect in the foreseeable future. What I would recommend our clients do is to ensure that they either have internal subject matter expertise or in the, they're engaged with a software provider or a consultant that does that on their behalf so they can stay abreast of upcoming regulations, including any proposed changes to Section 608 of the EPA's guidelines. Well, that's news to me, Mike. I did not realize it took that long for this legislation to hit. Uh, and, and I'm taking notes. I will come back to some of the idea on an industry expert. But talk to us about what you're seeing now, if you don't mind. Yeah, absolutely. So um, you know, effective January 1st of 2019, there are some new thresholds within um, Section 608 of the EPA's guidelines that um, require updated leak repair and maintenance practices for industry, um, sorry, industrial process refrigeration, commercial refrigeration, and comfort cooling systems greater than 50 pounds. Well, that's okay. That's good. So there we're finding in the past it had just been outside of some of the federal mandates it had also been some state mandates in california are you finding some other states getting involved yeah so um the california air resources board certainly has more stringent guidelines than the epa and we have seen other states like new york and new jersey with proposed um, plans for their particular state i have not seen any that has um, passed through the state legislature 
as of yet, but we do have experts on our team that are responsible for staying, staying on top of those issues. So that's helpful, and I like that you just said your team. Our listeners, obviously, are operators. They're facility managers. They're people in the field, and, and they want to do the work. They don't want to have to respond to some of this. Where does this leave their business, and, and where do you recommend they look to get help uh, responding and staying in compliance? Yeah, so there, there's some fantastic organizations that they could um, potentially take advantage of. Um, uh, the food management industry has a fantastic group on refrigeration management. Um, the EPA itself um, has an organization called Green Show that best in class um, operators in terms of refrigerant emissions and carbon footprints are um, members of today. And then certainly through either a consultancy or working with a software provider, um, they can potentially have access to some subject matter expertise that they do not have on staff. So knowing that these folks are operators, um, I like your experience and background. Where do you think they should get started uh, to address concerns with leak rates and then obviously capturing and staying in compliance with these guidelines? Yeah, so, so oftentimes when people talk about the management of refrigeration systems and specifically um, Freon or fugitive gases, they think compliance but it really should be viewed as a repair and maintenance expense and a very expensive asset within those locations that you can potentially um, do better with to reduce your operating expense. So the first thing that I would say is you need to have a single source of the truth. And what I mean by that is an accurate measurement of all the refrigerated systems that you have across your state. Um, hopefully that is not on paper or an Excel document, but um, that can be stored on the cloud and easily accessible by your engineering team and your external service contractors so that they can view the state of refrigerated system, the size or capacity of that system, the type of refrigerant that is in that system, as well as all of the information regarding any repairs or modifications that have been done to that system throughout its history. The it's interesting because these operators, so they go down this path and they either adopt a better process or incorporate a software package that ensures compliance. How do they make sure their service providers are on board as well? Because honestly, it's not just the operator, right? It's the people doing the repairs as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, I, I am not a mechanical engineer, refrigeration engineer by trade. I, I went to school and studied English composition with a minor in broadcast journalism, but I have worked with enough um, talented professional engineers, and people have told me things that just stuck with me over time. I had a buddy I used to work with, his name was Gail Moat, and he told me that refrigerated compressors do not die. They get assassinated, meaning that <laughs> that that, um, that motor will run forever if it is operated correctly and if the system is engineered correctly. And so to, to ensure that you get buy-in um, from your service contractors, you need to make sure that you give them a system that is easy for them to use and that also provides value to them as a service contractor. So if I'm an engineer and I go to a store to work on a refrigerated cabinet or a refrigerated system, the symptom that I'm looking at and its potential cause doesn't live in a silo. Someone potentially installed this system or worked on the system before I did, and having access to see what other people have done with the system and what they potentially tried to do in the past to make it operate more efficiently is incredibly beneficial to me. And that's why this online collaboration and ability for technicians to see the work that other technicians have done, as well as the ability to see refrigerant that has been added to the system. If a system has been retrofitted, it only benefits technicians in the field. That said, 
Operators win when technicians are fixing equipment. They don't win when they're filling out paper forms or spending 20 minutes at the computer entering details. The system needs to be easy for them to use. So that goes back to your system of record or your single source for the truth, and I think it makes a ton of sense. People won't do the work. They won't capture the information unless it's easy for them to do so. That's absolutely right, Trey. And you certainly can have some systems today that, A, recording of a refrigerant event will require um, can, can be a requirement to be done for the contractor to receive payment for an invoice. And you also can have a closed-loop system where, through an integration with a computerized maintenance management solution or a mobile workforce management solution, if a technician is doing work on a refrigerated system or an HVAC unit, the application can ask, was the refrigerant used on this work order? And if the answer is yes, it will quickly take them to a page to record that event so that it doesn't have to be done on paper, it doesn't have to be done in the back office, and the process is seamless to that tech in the field. So one of the things some of, you know, in my travels, I get to meet with clients and I get to meet with some of our listeners. And one of the things that they say is, what are the ramifications if I just don't do this, if I just ignore the reporting problems? Are, are there issues that I have to deal with? Yeah, so there there are lots of different um, compliance issues that potentially you could be um, liable for within Section 608 of the EPA guidelines. Um, first and foremost, you can't have a system that exceeds the EPA guidelines for leak rate. As of January 1st of 2019, that's 20% for commercial refrigeration and 10% for comfort cooling, and those are systems that exceed 50 pounds in size. Um, you also have to make sure that you've done a follow-up leak inspection and verification within 30 days of a leak repair. Either of those two events, if you are over that leak threshold for an extended period of time or you don't do your follow-up leak inspection, the EPA has the ability to fine you up to $37,500 per day per instance. So if I'm, I'm an operator of size and I have 100 sites with 13 to 15 systems per site, I could have 1% or 2% of my systems that are out of compliance that could quickly add up to millions of dollars worth of potential liability. That's a big number, and that's a lot of exposure. <laughs> well, let me close out. I know you're focused on product strategy, and over to Current, you guys are doing some work in this space, obviously. Did you have a product that you all developed very specifically focused on solving this problem? Yeah, we, we sure do. So um, we have a product called Enterprise Refrigerant Management. Um, it is our VX Sustain application, and it's actually the, the longest-standing um, software solution that um, we have within that common framework. Um, our first customer on the application was back in 1998. We've been managing leak rates for customers over the past 20-plus um, years through that application, and we are proud to have gone on some journeys with um, customers that are really driving best-in-class leak rate performance across their systems. You know, the food management industry um, typically says that refrigerated systems leak between 21 and 23 percent of their of their Freon every year, dependent upon um, the year and the type of system. Green Shield members typically average between 12 and a half and 13 percent in the last couple of years. Their say customers as an aggregate through accruant um, average just under 10 percent total leak rate. And we've got some best in class customers that have had single digit leak rates for five, six, and even seven years concurrently. Mike, this is, I think, exactly what our listeners were looking for. I'm sure you will understand if they look at multiple solutions out there, but this gives them a great jumping off point and obviously uh, helps them understand some of the challenges they're facing now. 
Well, I really appreciate it, Trey. The, the one thing I would add, and I would want to make sure that all of the people listening to the podcast understand, is that um, there is one new regulation that is part of the EPA changes that take effect in January 1st of 2019 that is most critical. And that is that at the end of 2019, each operator will be required to submit a report to the EPA by March 1st of 2020 with every system across their estate that had a leak rate over 125%, including all of the repairs done to that system and all of the Freon added. And we personally view that as an open invitation from the EPA to require their customer base or their um, operator base to self-police. And, and I don't think that enough organizations have taken the time to run a sample report to, we, to see which systems could be out of compliance today and then to take the corrective measures to ensure that that list is as clean as possible before it's required on March 1st of 2020. So that's incredibly interesting to me, and I'm sure to our listeners. I think we came on the podcast assuming we would talk about some of the impact of the Trump administration, and what we've learned is, boy, there's a lot of history here, and the legislation that took place in 2015 and 16 is certainly where our focus should be near term. So, all right, thanks, Mike. Uh, to our listeners, we're going to invite Mike back. Um, based on his grocery background, we'll probably be digging into managing master service agreements and even looking at uh, questionable invoices from service providers. So we'll look forward to those talks. Please tune in sometime, in, sometime soon. Thanks so much for having me, Trey.